Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Okay, um, I'm excited to be here. I'm definitely, this is definitely out of my comfort zone, um, not only because I've never done this before, but because this is a lot to talk about. But here we are. Okay, so my name is Kirby. For those of you who don't know me, um, here's my family. Um, we, so we had this trip planned, like Amy said, and I was planning to, we get, we got back the night before I would be teaching, and I was just like, oh, I just really don't think that's a good idea, um, which was great because we flew southwest, so that would not have worked out anyways, um, but so, yes, I switched to this lesson, and I did not realize what I was doing, but that's okay. Um, so this is our family from the trip. We went to the Grand Canyon and Zion National Park and a few other places. Um, so my husband, Will, they married 15 years. Um, three girls, Alexis is 10, Annabelle's eight, and Allie Grace is six. Um, so we've been here since, I've been at TBC since 2002 um, when I moved here to go to UMHB and met my husband. Um, we got married, moved away for a few years for him to finish school. And then we've been back for 10 years. So um, prior to being a mom, I was a social worker, uh, mostly in the medical field, working with end-of-life issues with patients and families. Um, Since my plan was to go back to the workforce after my youngest went to kindergarten, um, which was last year, which was a terrible year to make any decisions for anything. So that has kind of, is kind of blurry right now as far as, what, trying to figure out where God wants me um, in the midst of possible quarantines and things like that. But what I do know is I'm supposed to be talking about Second Kings 8 through 17 today. So that's what I'm doing. Um, so, all right, in this section of scripture, we read about the sad decline of Israel. Um, The poor obedience and weak leadership of the kings ultimately reminds the people of Israel of their need for the promised son of David, or King Jesus. So what we're going to talk about today is what happened in this text, not everything that happened, but overall what happened. Um, Why did this happen? We're going to look at Elisha's impact and then the application for us. So um, there's a lot of scripture references um, in this lesson. Um, so I'm going to be paraphrasing some of it, but I'll put the, the verses up there for y'all to jot down if you need to, but there's just, I don't, we'd have time to read all of it. Okay, so what happened? So in summary, we read that the Israel is conquered by Assyria and exiled from their land. So here we see a series of 13 kings of the north who all refused to listen to the warnings from both scripture and the prophets. They continued to tolerate and even participate in idol worship which was clearly and boldly forbidden by the Lord their God. Generations prior, God had given them hope and made promises to never leave them if they followed his commands. And then followed up by warnings for what would happen if they did not. So first we're going to talk about um, God's promises. So he promises them um, before all of this that he will be with them and never leave them as long as they follow him um, so Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 says, 
He says here, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And then again, um, God says this to Solomon in 1 Kings um, chapter 9. As for you, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness, as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father David. One of your descendants will always sit on the throne of Israel. But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees I've given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, I will uproot Israel from this land that I've given them. They will ask, why did the Lord do this, do such terrible things to this land? And the answer will be, because his people abandoned the Lord their God, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt, and they worshipped other gods and bowed down to them. That is why the Lord has brought all these disasters on them. So it's very clear um, here, God says, you know, I, I will stay with you. I will sustain you. Just follow me. Um, and then he also follows up with, wait, hold on. Sorry, some warnings about what will happen if they don't. So um, it says in Deuteronomy, wait, did I read it? Sorry, Deuteronomy um, 4:25 says, in the future, when you have children or grandchildren and have lived in the land. A long time. Do not corrupt yourselves by making idols of any kind. This is evil in the sight of the Lord your God and will arouse his anger. If you break my covenant, you will quickly disappear from a land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. You will live there only a short time, then you will be utterly destroyed. For the Lord will scatter you among the nations where only a few of you will survive. Um, and then again, um, this was something that a warning that God gave them regarding the kings. Whenever um, the king would come to throne, what their duties, some of their duties would be in addition to keeping all of commands. Um, he said, when he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he can learn to fear the Lord as God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way and ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. And then one more in Joshua. Um, before Joshua's death, he is um, giving Israelites instructions and one of the last things he, say, he reminds them, he says, if you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. Um, so God doesn't, he doesn't stop giving them warnings. Um, so, you know, this, these commands and warnings that he um, gave the Israelites definitely show us the gracious character of God. Um, but we also learned at the end of this section of Scripture that Yahweh is a just lawgiver. Um, in 2 Kings 17, 18, let me see. Oh. Sorry. 17, 18 says, Because the Lord was very angry with Israel, he swept them away from his presence. So ultimately, their punishment, um, this was their punishment for their sin and refusal to repent. Um, 
Wait, sorry, I skipped a section. Can I just go back to that and y'all pretend like this didn't happen? Okay. Um, so, okay, there's God's warnings, his promises, his warnings, and then warnings from the prophet. So after they were given all of these warnings, um, and they still didn't obey, um, during the time of the kings, he sent prophets. And a lot of these we will study next year, I believe, um, and because they kind of overlap here. But um, just two of them I wanted to point out real quick before we go on to why did this happen. Um, the first one is, um, okay, so Second Kings 17, 13 says, Again and again, the Lord has sent his prophets and seers to warn both Israel and Judah, turn from all your evil ways, obey my commands and decrees, the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey, and that I gave you through my servants the prophets. But the Israelites would not listen. They were stubborn, and they refused to believe in the Lord their God. And then in Jeremiah... Um, there's a section there where um, Israel's, ta- I mean, Jeremiah's talking to Israel, um, asking them to turn from their ways, their wicked ways. And um, it's Jeremiah 3 says, O Israel, my faith- faithless people, come home to me again, for I am merciful. I will not be angry with you forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols under every green tree. Confess that you refuse to listen to me. Return home, you wayward children. Um, so clearly here, he, this is not something he intended. Um, and he continues to show his grace to them by begging them to repent. Um, and they do not. So they are exiled from their land and removed from the presence of God. Um, so... 2 Kings 17, 18 says, Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. Um, so when we look at this, why did this happen? Um, a lot of, I mean, several of the kings that we studied, it said that, that they were pleasing to the Lord, um, but they, did, they fell short because they did not remove the idols. Um, and so in 2 Kings uh, 17, 7 through 12... It explains, this disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worshipped other gods. They sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them safely out of Egypt. They had followed the pagan practices of the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them, as well as the practices the kings of Israel had introduced. The people of Israel also had secretly done many things that were not pleasing to the Lord. They offered sacrifices on all the hilltops, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they worshipped idols, despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. Um, So, I mean, this is pretty clear as to why he did this. But I also wanted to just bring in, um, just, I mean, the the, the Ten Commandments. It was, it's, as we read through First and Second Kings, we see that really throughout this text, all of these commandments are broken, um, and then not only broken, but not, not repented. Um, just a couple of them that stood out in the text that we just studied um, would be, you know, no other gods. Clearly, every king refused to get rid of the other gods. Um, There's 13 of them in the north, um, and they refused to destroy the idols, and therefore followed the destructive ways of Jeroboam. And then also, um, another one that stood out to me the most was do not murder or covet. Uh, we see both of these commandments broken by Athaliah alone in chapter 11. Her envy for power causes her to kill the entire royal family. 
as part of her securing her seated throne, including her own grandchildren, which I, I cannot imagine. Um, and so it's very clear here why God did what he did. Um, they were unable to um, adhere to the commands that he had given them. Um, so next we're going to talk a little bit about Elisha um, and how he is a shadow of Jesus um, for us reading through this text. So the first way, um, there were several ways that we saw this in Elisha, but I'm just going to focus on two. Um, the first one is how he cared for the desperate and the destitute. Um, this is not a new concept for those who follow the Lord. Uh, in Genesis 45, you read how even though Joseph was treated terribly by his brothers and sold into slavery, Joseph had mercy on his family in their desperation and saved them from great famine. So Elisha, too, proves to have this compassionate character through his care for the Shunammite woman. In 2 Kings 4, we see the introduction of this woman and read how she loved the Lord through her service to Elisha. We also marvel at her faith in the Lord's provision through the death and resurrection of her son. In chapter 8, we read about how Elisha cares for and encourages this woman to leave her home for seven years to find refuge from the coming famine. Then later, he also sees to it that everything is restored to her that was lost during her absence. Then, as we look forward to the New Testament, we also see how Jesus cares for the destitute. One example of this is in Luke 8, as he heals the bleeding woman. So like the Shumanite woman, there was nothing required of this woman other than to receive healing and to have faith. Jesus had compassion on her in her desperation. So this led me to think a little bit about what this means for us. So how are we to emulate Elisha and Jesus in this way? Um, and Matthew 25 um, came to mind. And this is where um, Jesus is speaking. He says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will gather in his presence, and he will separate the people as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me to your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. These righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Um, so Jesus is very clear there that this is also the calling for us to care for the desperate and the destitute. And then the second way I wanted to look at um, Elisha as being just a shadow of Jesus for us was the parallels between the death and resurrection of both Elisha and Jesus. Um, so scripture tells us that both Elisha and Jesus' tombs were places of resurrection. Uh, 2 Kings 13 um, we talked a little bit about this in our group, but it was interesting how Elisha was such a prominent figure um, in this text, and there's one verse about his death that he died. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but um, what happened after that, I want to talk about for just a minute. So it said, Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burning a man, they spied a band of these raiders, so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. 
But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. So just like the tomb of Jesus, Elisha's tomb was anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So both their deaths miraculously brought new life. A new life was given to the buried Israelite through the bones of Elisha, and new life is given to us through the blood of Jesus. So how can we apply this? Um, Amy is always asking us to look for the attributes of God and the text that we're reading. And um, there was two that stood out to me. So the first would be God is a jealous God and he calls us to smash idols. He demands our exclusive worship. And the second one would be that God is faithful. So let's talk about the first one um, real quick. So God is a jealous God. This isn't something that's new to us. Um, if we've been following Jesus um, and studying his word, but right, here, but in this section, it is very clear that this is not something that he tolerates. An example of this is in Jehu. He, you know, the the story of Jehu. He did so much um, for the Lord and so much that pleased the Lord and earned favor with the Lord. But he still didn't. He still didn't destroy the pagan idols. So this made me just think a little bit about. Wonder why? Why didn't he do that? Um, you know, he called all of these worshipers together, killed all of them, killed the entire line of Ahab and Jezebel, and, you know, did all these things. Why didn't he just destroy those idols? Um, and there's a, f- a few reasons that I thought maybe could apply to us today and why we don't smash our idols. The first being the fear of man. You know, we don't, we don't want to offend anybody or upset anyone. We want, to, we want everyone to be happy with us, um, and so we just kind of skirt away from that. Or... Another could be stubborn hearts. Um, sometimes I find myself recognizing an idol in my life, but I just have decided that I'm not finished with it yet. So just hold on to it, because um, I'm not really ready to smash it yet. Um, and then the last reason um, just could be selfishness, lack, lack of self-control. We want what we want, when we want it, and the culture we live in. Today, a lot of times we're able to get that. So here we learn that Yahweh boldly demands exclusive worship, not cooperative worship, like we see in the New Settlers of Samaria. So in 2 Kings, I'm not going to read that, but um, this is a section when the Israelites have been exiled from their land, and the Assyrian king puts people into the land um, from lots of different places, and they're not, they're, it essentially seems like spiritually lost, so he sends an exiled priest um, back to Samaria to teach the people the, the ways of the Lord of that land. And so it's, it's a little unclear to me still as why the king did this, but it still was very gracious of God to, to, send, to have him send this priest. And so he did this. He, he told them all of the laws of the land, what to do, and they accepted it, but they also continued to serve the other idols um, that they brought with them and that they learned from the people around them. Um, so here's just a few New Testament warnings for idolatry. First Corinthians um, 10, um, again, just kind of paraphrase here, says, I don't want you to forget, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea... All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Jesus. So it just that's just a reminder. 
of their ancestors. And then in Colossians, it says, so put to death the sinful earthly lurkings within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Um, and I also wanted to, it's also worth noting um, the passage in Matthew that as we consider the gravity of our sin when we cause other believers to stumble by condoning or encouraging idolatry like we see in the wicked kings of Israel. In Matthew, it talks, it, Jesus talks about, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. Um, I think that's just something important for us to keep in mind because I know that for me, sometimes I find myself um, not only not smashing my own idols, but not really encouraging um, fellow believers to do it either. Um, so the, po- the quote from page 71 really stood out to me talking about idols. It says, idols are lifeless and therefore cannot impart life. Lifeless idols only make for lifeless people. When the initial titillation is passed, idolatry quickly yields to dryness and death. The signs of this spiritual exhaustion are everywhere in 21st century culture, which has become a culture of whatever. Not only the what, whatever of anything goes, but the whatever of and who cares anyways. This is the end result of a culture that is built on idols. So this, I mean, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but um, I know COVID has really turned a lot of our lives upside down in lots of different ways, um, and now it's no exception to this. So in some ways, it brought great anxiety for me. I found myself becoming anxious about things that I never um, was before, just all of the change that was happening and the unknown. Um, but in other ways, I also found apathy creeping in and taking over. So this whatever, this anything goes uh, mentality really is something that I struggled with. Um, I found myself cultivating idols of self-indulgence and slothfulness mentioned by Tim in the sermon on Sunday. Um, you know, examples of this just with, you know, my kids being home and not knowing if they were going to be going back to school or not, or, you know, what's, whether or not dad was going to get to work or whether or not, um, if one of us got COVID, if I got COVID, that I would be homeschooling with dad in a hotel, all these things just... Um, going on in my mind, and so it was easy for me to just remove myself and just adapt the YOLO mentality of the world around me. So if the kids wanted to watch TV all day, and I sat there and watched TV with them, and we got no schoolwork done, it was okay, because it was hard. We're all in this together, and it was hard, so it was okay. Um, And I found myself just removing myself from seeking out counsel and wisdom and accountability from fellow believers um, because that's just not something I really wanted to hear. Um, I wanted to just do what I wanted to do that got me through the day, and people around me were telling me that I was okay. Um, So through God's grace and steadfast love, I've started to recognize these idols that have made slow but steady progress in smashing them and re-smashing them one day at a time. Um, So I would just encourage you all to think about idols that you may have in your life that need to be smashed or secret sins that's talked about um, in this section or maybe is your idolatry or tolerance for idolatry around you leading others to stumble 
God is faithful to convict us of our wicked ways and leads us to repentance if we seek and surrender to his call. So the second um, attribute was that his faith that leads to us to his faithfulness. Um, second Kings 8.19 says, But the Lord did not want to destroy Judah, for he had promised his servant David that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. And so and we see an example of this through the preservation of Joash, um, and that he remained safe and hidden for seven years until his kingship was revealed. So God um, follows through on his promise to preserve the line of David. Um, and he keeps his promises to David and Judah. Um, and he will also keep his promises to us. So he cares for us by saving us with his blood. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Um, so in conclusion, I just wanted to encourage you all... Um, to not, I already did that, sorry. <laughs> to not ignore the warnings that we see in Scripture, um, the warnings from God, the warnings from the prophets, um, the warnings from Jesus, um, and repent from idolatry. Look to Jesus. He will never cast you out. Uh, just wanted to real quickly read John six thirty seven through 39. It says, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all of these he had give, has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time, um, just that we can gather together and learn about your word. Um, from your word and from each other. And we just pray that um, even though this was a long, um, very detailed section of scripture that's hard to remember all the details, we just pray that um, we would be able to take with us um, what, you wanted to he- what you wanted us to hear through your spirit and that we could take that forward and apply it um, and that would lead us to repentance and um, just obedience to you. 